Blog Talk Radio. Lucid's Trust, a non-profit, non-political, and non-sectarian organization on the roster of the Economic and Social Council of the United Nations, and concerned with the establishment of world cooperation and goodwill, presents Inner Sight with your host, Robert Anderson. He, with Sarah and Dale McKechnie, President and Vice President of Lucis Trust, will discuss philosophical and spiritual topics essential to everyday life. Now here's your host, Robert Anderson. Welcome. Inner sight is simply seeing that which is always present, but not yet fully recognized. You have, within you, the ability to see yourself and the world around you in a new way with new eyes. So, stay with us and together, we'll look at the world and ourselves with inner sight. Our topic for today, The Great Invocation, Part 3. Later on, we'll have a, uh, a gift for you, and uh, it'll be later on in the show that will detail that gift, but it is an interesting uh, gift, and uh, I hope you take advantage of ordering it. But in the meantime, I'd like to say a few words about Alice Bailey. Alice Bailey is the founder of the Lucis Trust, and the Lucis Trust sponsors this show. Alice Bailey wrote 24 books of esoteric philosophy, and those 24 books are the main inspiration for the dialogue that you hear on this show. The following thought is also from the works of Alice Bailey. The Great Invocation belongs to no one individual or group. It belongs to all humanity. Tens of thousands of people of goodwill throughout the world are using it every day. No one can use this invocation or prayer for illumination and love without causing powerful changes in his own attitudes and life intention. What is invocation, and also, is it the same as prayer? Not quite. The um, great invocation is really a, a world prayer, but it's also an invocation, and there is a difference. I think... Well, when I think of invocation, it reminds me of that saying, if you can formulate a question, you already know the answer. Mm-hmm. I think that kind of expresses the nature of invocation. It's a reciprocal flow of energy. Uh, we could say appeal and response. If you approach, as a human being, if you approach God, God inevitably must respond because the call of the indwelling spiritual being within each of us is appealing to our source in the sense of uh, uh, intending to reconnect with the greater life from which each of us has come. So in that sense, invocation is a return to the, the home and the source, wouldn't you say? Or do you see it differently? Well, yes, it's it's a deep urge within every living form, actually, as it's been described, as a urge towards the light. And there is this urge very strongly in human beings, 
And uh, it's even in, we notice it in the animal kingdom and in the plant kingdom because the plant pushes up through the darkness of the soil towards the light. And it's the light of the sun that uh, evokes its rays. Uh, and um, so there is a similar urge, I think, in human beings. And the, it is said that there is often a, a voiceless cry going out from humanity uh, particularly at the time of disasters. And mm -hmm. I think we saw that <coughs> very graphically in, at 9-11 in the uh, horrible uh, tragedy that happened there. And there was a, such an appeal going forward, going out. There was this great cry going out from humanity and there was an evidence of love that was responding and you could feel it in the air. So, I mean, there is this ability in human beings to, to reach out and to cry for help. And so it's that it's inner a, appeal, yeah. It's also, I think, um, uh, an appeal for something more spiritual, isn't it, like mm -hmm. you mentioned, whereas prayer usually is the appeal for material aid. And certainly material aid is sometimes vitally necessary. If one is really in dire circumstances, one appeals for the salvaging of one's physical life or the life of a loved one or for enough food to sustain one and so on. Those are legitimate needs. But invocation is the appeal for a more spiritual sustenance, mm -hmm. light, love. <clears throat> yes, and this the great invocation. It is a, a very powerful um, kind of a a mantram or a word of power as it's been described and uh, it it depends a lot on how it is said and the intent behind the words and there needs to be an understanding of what the words mean and the spiritual intent behind the words it expresses a, a spiritual hunger uh, I think that exists within the human being. There are physical and material hungers and needs and there are spiritual hungers. And the great invocation is really about the the hunger for right human relations. And I think, as we've mentioned before, it is an invocation in which people can participate, it, which makes it a little different from prayer because one can actually kind of tune into the very energies that the invocation is <clears throat> meant to evoke, the energies of light and of love and of the will to good, and w one can uh, actually evoke those more directly, I think, with it, using uh, um, the technique of invocation. Another interesting difference between invocation and prayer, at least in my understanding, is that prayer comes from a sense of being utterly in need of something that one does not possess. And so you, you pray, you appeal to a higher power, whereas invocation is actually engaging the will of the invoker with that of the higher power, it's more of a collaborative relationship. What I mean is that um, if you listen to the words of the Great Invocation, each stanza appeals for the cooperation of the human being with 
divine intention, divine purpose, to uh, let light um, stream into human minds and to let love stream into human hearts and to align the little human will with the will of God. So that, again, there's a reciprocal flow of energy and a reciprocal collaborative relationship that is implied in invocation. There's also um, the interesting um, word in the great invocation of the word let. Mm -hmm. Let light, let love, Mm -hmm. and let power restore the plan on earth. It is like opening a gate, opening a door to let in this light. Mm -hmm. And that's essentially what um, invocation, the power of invocation does. It opens the door, it opens the channel for the energy to flow more directly into uh, into human consciousness. But we have to ask for that, right. and then it will happen. <clears throat> Why do each of the spanzas refer to humanity's role? Well, again, because this is a collaborative effort that's expressed in the Great Invocation. Human beings are intended to work with the divine plan for its unfoldment on Earth. We are the the linchpin and the great question mark in the um, descending uh, alignment of uh, life that's called the chain of being. Humanity is the middle kingdom, the mediating kingdom between the higher spiritual realms and the lower kingdoms that make up our planetary life, animal, vegetable, and mineral. Humanity is uh, the X factor, we could say. Mm And in invoking humanity's role, the great invocation is seeking to align human minds, hearts, and wills with the mind, heart, and will of God. Yes, and as you say, it's, it's, uh, the, the human kingdom has such a pivotal uh, <coughs> position here that uh, it is kind of the goal for the kingdoms below uh, the human kingdom. And it uh, the um, place where things must work out because uh, the plan of God which is what we're all here to work towards uh, must work out physically it must work out tangibly in the physical world and it must be expressed these energies that are embodied in the plan the energies of light and love and the will to good must eventually find their expression through the physical world of humanity and that that's calls that is what is called for in the plan so that that's why humanity is such an important uh, position yeah it isn't that we are more important than any of the other kingdoms in the plan but it's that we have the potential to do more harm and to make a, a success of the unfoldment of the plan Right, and it's, um, as I said, it's, it's the earth, um, the life on earth and the development of human beings is, is a stage that um, every entity has been, is going to be, or will become at some time in its existence to become a human being. And so uh, everything must flow through this human stage. I think 
uh, a fairly typical reaction of some people who come upon the great invocation uh, for the first time might be that it sounds a bit too impersonal to really inspire or touch something within them that they associate with prayer and um, appeal to divinity. It's so impersonal. But in fact, if you work with the great invocation and repeat it um, enough times, you begin to realize that it opens up an awareness within you, the individual, that unites you with the larger humanity and we could say with the larger realm of um, the life of the whole. It's called by um, some a mantra of integration. It integrates the individual human being in the plan for the whole world. So in one sense it's impersonal, but in another it's liberating because it it draws the individual person and the part that each of us can play into um, an alignment with uh, the plan for for the whole. Each of us has some little contribution to make, and I think the Great Invocation expresses that. For those people who just tuned in, you're listening to Inner Sight. Our topic for today, The Great Invocation, Part 3. And earlier in the show, I mentioned that we have a gift for you today. That is, Lucis Trust has a gift for you. It's available at absolutely no charge, not even a shipping charge. And it's two pamphlets of The Great Invocation, plus a beautiful full-color bookmark with The Great Invocation. What happens in the pamphlets is you'll go into detail about the meaning and significance of The Great Invocation and answer many questions that you might have. It'll it'll really uh, explore it in greater depth, and I think you'll be able to uh, think over some of these important ideas that Sarah and Dale set, set forth today about the Great Invocation. What you need to do to take advantage of uh, this gift, to get this gift, is to give us a call. That's all you have to do. Give us a call at 1-866-NY-LUCIS. Think of 1-866-NEW-YORK-LUCIS. LUCIS is L-U-C-I-S, or... 1-866-695-8247. That's 1-866-695-8247. And when you call, just ask for the uh, two pamphlets on the Great Invocation and, and, and the bookmark as well. It's a very beautiful bookmark. Uh, and also, uh, we need your help. And that's because we need donations. It's your donations that uh, help keep us on the air. Uh, they are tax-deductible, so if you'd like to continue making donations, we really appreciate it, because although we'd love to continue doing these shows, we do have to make sure that we have the money to pay for them. So send all don donations, check or money order, to Lucis Trust. Lucis is L-U-C-I-S, Lucis Trust, 120 Wall Street, New York, New York, 10005. That's Lucis Trust, 120 Wall Street, New York, New York, 100. Zero five. All of our InnerSight programs can be heard on our website at www.lucistrust.org. On the homepage, you'll find a link to today's program, which will be available for hearing in a day or two. Last week's program is already available, and many of our past programs can also be heard. www.lucistrust.org. The theme of each week's program is posted in advance on our website so that you can see in advance what next Sunday's program will be. 
if humanity, if humanity plays such an important role in the plan, why are human wills called little? <laughs> Seems like a paradox there. Some people find that a little bit insulting. I don't. Um, to me, it's perfectly understandable that little human wills are little. Look at the things we stake our energies and our um, hopes and dreams on. What, uh, a bigger house, uh, yeah. a more expensive car? Or having uh, having a hot dog, even. <laughs> <laughs> if we have food issues, yes. <laughs> well, yes, our, our little wills could get uh, hooked on to all kinds of very petty things. And uh, uh, I think all of us are aware of how, how much energy we can devote to the smallest, most insignificant matters. But the little wills of human beings are a resource in the divine plan that uh, need to be developed because, as we said before, humanity is the question mark and the linchpin in the working out of the plan. And if our wills are not engaged, uh, the plan cannot unfold. Human free will is a gift of God and it can't be uh, usurped. For reasons that we don't know, the creator of our world decided that human will was uh, inviolable and free. And I think the trust that that puts in humanity's uh, capacity to evolve and grow and learn and aspire to higher and finer things is really uh, quite moving. Yes, and we have to remember, too, that the, the little will is kind of the lower counterpart to the greater will of God. Uh, it's the fact that we have a will, this thing called will uh, is, is, as you say, it's a gift from God and it's also a um, reflection of the same will factor that already exists in, in the mind of God. Um, of course, the little human will is such, of an, such a, a small kind of counterpart to that, but there is a connection and it is what assures us that we will eventually find our way back through this um, uh, this maze in the in the physical tangible world and back to the uh, father's house as it says in the uh, in the bible and if you multiply that little will by 6 billion or some fraction thereof mm -hmm. you have a considerable resource mm -hmm. look at the uh, mobilization of human wills that's underway in the world today in the cause of uh, climate change. I think people are finally coming awake to the fact that we have done a great deal of harm to our planet and we are responsible for correcting it. And if those wills can be engaged, the needed changes can be made. But it requires education, it requires sustained persistent tension in the sense of holding the issue before the eyes of human beings so they don't lose sight of it and return to their own little world. But um, when the will is mobilized, a great good can come about. Probably the world war was ended by the mobilization of human wills who resisted uh, a very evil force that it, uh, in the early stages of the war was incredibly powerful. And uh, thanks to mm. 
inspired leadership and the courage of a lot of very ordinary people. It was um, uh, overcome, but it took time and great effort. Mm. It says when the little will is aligned with the the will of the soul, the same quality in in the soul, then one becomes an agent for the plan because then at that point um, the little will can be kind of left behind and one uh, enters into the greater will of the soul and consequently into the will of God. You begin just you're actually at that point working with the greater will. As if you're shifted gears. Mm-hmm. You've aligned your little gear with the bigger gear. Yes, and, and the little the the needs and the petty needs of the little will begins to fall away mm-hmm. and become not so important at all. And then one becomes a true agent for the plan of God. You begin to see where uh, the needs are for humanity and not and your own little personal needs become less and less uh, uh, important. I think the the last century has shown how humanity has developed quite a familiarity with power. I'm thinking about the capacity to wage war on a level that was never possible before the last century and the development of atomic energy and technology of all sorts uh, electricity, communications, there was a massive development of power in many different phases that I think prepared humanity to think in terms of harnessing power on a whole different level. We know power can do great harm. Now I think we're ready to understand power as the urge to good, the will to good. It's a resource, and when we do, do redirect that urge to power from the aggrandizement of the little personal self to the well-being of the common good, we can really move mountains. What does humanity have to do to prepare for Christ's return? Christ is referred uh, as the coming one. We've talked about this many times. The Avatar, the great spiritual teacher who is awaited by so many different faiths. The Jews await the Messiah. The Hindu religion uh, foresees the return of the Kalki Avatar. Buddhism speaks of the Maitreya. He whose name is Kindness, who will be the last Buddha. It's an expectation that's deep in the human psyche. And the whole idea of invocation applies to the reappearance of the Christ, the world teacher, in the same sense of being um, a reciprocal effort. We have to be engaged. He's not just going to come and save us from ourselves. Oh, no. We have to prepare the way for him. In In a very crude sense, we have to make it worth his time and energy because we have been given so much in the... uh, teaching of great spiritual beings that we have not applied, why can we ask for more from them if we don't first demonstrate that we grasp their their earlier teachings? And by that I mean demonstrate that we know how to establish right human relations, that we know how to share, that we're capable Mm. of goodwill. Yeah, those are just the basic uh, 
the kind of the basic qualities that we have to begin to demonstrate in the world and uh, as long as we are expressing this human selfishness and greed and, uh, and not learning to share and not expressing the, the willingness to share um, then the conditions are not right for the beneficial energies of the Christ to come into the world because they would simply be trampled upon mm -hmm. and uh, so the, the, the timing has to be right and the conditions in human consciousness have to be right for his return so that he can um, present humanity with the new kind of dispensation, the new revelation that must uh, help humanity to unfold its own consciousness. It is not that he's coming down to save us from ourselves because only we can do that to save us from ourselves. But there is, as has been pointed out in the, in the writings of the Bailey books, there is so much inertia in human consciousness that somehow we have to overcome that inertia. Alice Bailey makes an interesting comment about the return of the world teacher that um, it will not happen until the churches and the political groups have begun their needed house cleaning. And I think we see that underway in the world today. A lot has come, into, come to light in recent years about the churches and other world religions and their misdeeds. And certainly we're aware of the need for the different political groups to be uh, to function with more integrity. This is all part of the house cleaning that has to show we have at least some uh, basic standards about the way we conduct our affairs. She made another interesting comment about the Great Invocation that I don't think we've stressed enough. She said it's a tool for transformation, that when we sound it preferably out loud with some degree of understanding, we are literally transmitting energy through our own consciousness. We are serving as a point of radiation by sounding the great invocation. Not only does it transform our own environment, our own relationships, our own little world, but it transforms our consciousness, our attitudes of mind and heart, and it enables us to live more correctly as the soul. Right. We have to realize this is a mantrum also. It's, it's meaning. meaning that, uh, well, like with any mantrum, you, you say it in order to bring about certain changes in your own, your own personal life, for example. You use mantrams for, um, uh, for relaxation, for centering and centering your mind. And words of power. Mm -hmm. It is a word of power. So it's using energies and forces for the benefit of uh, the human race, not just for yourself, because the invocation isn't really for your own personal use. It's for all humanity and transforming the energies and forces of human consciousness. Please um, make sure you call up and get that uh, nice gift that uh, Lucis Trust is making available for you. It's available absolutely no charge from the Lucis Trust. It's two pamphlets on the Great Invocation plus a beautiful four-color bookmark with the Great Invocation. The pamphlets go into detail about the meaning and significance of the Great Invocation and 
they'll answer many of the questions that you might have. So if you'd like to receive that gift, just give us a call at one eight six six NY Lucis. Think of one eight six six New York Lucis, Lucis L U C I S, or one eight six 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 nine five eight two four seven. That's one eight six 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 nine five eight two four seven. You've been listening to Inner Sight. Now we would like to close with a world prayer called the Great Invocation. It's a call for light and love and goodwill to flow into the world and into our hearts. Let's listen for a moment to these powerful words. From the point of light within the mind of God, let light stream forth into human minds. Let light descend on earth. From the point of love within the heart of God, let love stream forth into human hearts. May the coming one return to earth. From the center where the will of God is known, let purpose guide all little human wills. The purpose which the masters know and serve. From the center which we call the human race, let the plan of love and light work out, and may it seal the door where evil dwells. Let light and love and power restore the plan on earth. is blowing hot air, let O'Reilly Auto Parts help bring back the cool this summer. While you may need to eventually service your AC unit, get immediate relief with Interdynamics Arctic Freeze R134A refrigerant with leak sealer for $32.99. O'Reilly Auto Parts. Better parts, better prices every day. Limit supplies. See store for details. Oh, oh.